Hello and welcome to Living in the Shade of an 80s Arcade, Episode 4. Now, before I go into today's topics, uh, I am going to introduce a new segment of sorts. And that segment is going to be my first. Um, eventually, I'll get a stinger for it, I guess. i got to figure out one. Um, but um, what do I mean by my first? Well, I'm going to say my first... 80s console game so um and i had asked for in a living in the shade in the videos are in a video 80s arcade <laughs> easy for me to say uh, but i had asked for for this in the facebook group uh, for people to, to share with me send me a recording and, and i'm gonna do this like as we go on so uh um some weeks i'll have more than one like this week, because I'm going to have my own, and then I'm going to have someone else's. So, <clears throat> my first video console game in the 80s was, of course, the Atari 2600. Uh, it is what started the home console revolution. Uh, the 2600 yeah, packing game was Atari's Combat, which is essentially a tank game, uh, but there was a uh, all sorts of games on the 2600 and then from there I graduated on to the 7800 in the uh, mid to late 80s uh, and then uh, of course my brother was the one who got the Nintendo uh, back in uh, I was in college when he got the, the Nintendo uh, which he didn't get it until much after it was kind of funny he didn't get the Nintendo until much after uh, uh, the Nintendo uh, entertainment system otherwise known as the famicom in japan uh he didn't get that until uh i, I was probably in college when he got that because i think he had his first job or, or something when uh um when they lived in uh leicester pennsylvania uh when i was i was in college at the time so um in any event that was my first 80s console game i think a lot of us that was the was the first console game that we had uh, because really it in a lot of respects it was the only one so um but for right now i'm going to share my friend rob fott who sent in a great audio clip of his memories of his first 80s console game My name is Rob Fott, I am from Grove City, Ohio, and my first video game console, like most kids in the late 70s and early 80s, was the Atari 2600. I really enjoyed Donkey Kong, Pac-Man, Space Invaders, Pitfall, and Frogger. Later on in the 80s, we got a Nintendo, and Tecmo Bowl was then my favorite uh, game to play. In the arcades, I liked a lot of games, uh, Pac-Man, Donkey Kong, Frogger, but my very favorite was Centipede, followed closely thereafter by Tag Team Wrestling. Great times indeed. And that was Rob Fott with his first 80s console game. Of course, is the Atari 2600. So, Rob Fott, if you don't know who he is he is the host of living in the 80s 
other podcasts, and that's kind of where I got the podcast. Um, this podcast inspiration was living in the 80s. And that first podcast that we did with Matt Moore. Matt Moore, love you, man. Uh, good man. So, all right, today's topic. Now, it's going to be a little larger one. And I, unlike uh, some of last week's, uh, I did not write up anything prior to this. But I'm going to talk about uh, both. 80s movies where arcade games were crucial to the plot and future, like, for example, movies that came out within this last century that touch on 80s both arcade and console games. All right. So first we're going to go ahead and I'm going to cover 80s movies where the arcade game was crucial to the plot. Okay, the first one has to be The Last Starfighter. Greetings, Starfighter. You have been recruited by the Star League to defend the frontier against Sewer and the Kodan Armada. Get ready? Prepare for blast off. The Last Starfighter was the quintessential, to me, the quintessential arcade-oriented movie from the 80s. Last Starfighter was one of the first movies to feature computer-generated graphics. All of the space battles, every single one of them, were gener were generated by a, a Cray smart computer, believe it or not. Uh, it came The movie came out in 1984, and it tracked the main character, Alex Rogan, who was a good-natured teenager. He was fed up of living his life in the trailer park, and he loved playing arcade games. And one of the arcade games uh, that he loved to play was, in the movie, The Last Starfighter. Um, uh, unbeknownst to Alex, this wasn't really a normal arcade game. Uh, this was a, a arcade game that had links back to uh, the Star League. The Star League uh, happens to be a, uh, a alien... Uh, for lack of a better term, an alien uh, nation uh, who uh, was trying to def defend themselves from Zora, who was a traitor to the to the Ry Rylan uh, forces, and the Kodan Armada, which is another alien race. Okay, and Alex was so good at this game, he he beat the high score on the last Starfighter, which ended up sending a signal back to. Centauri, who was played by Robert Preston, and he came down to Earth, picked up Alex, and recruited him to be a starfighter. Okay, and uh, a starfighter uh, wasn't actually the ship that he f flew, which was called a Gunstar, uh, but the uh, the role that he played, he didn't actually fly the ship. He was more essentially the gunner because the Rylands and other members, Star League uh, planets, uh, they really weren't uh, weren't into violence or anything like that, but they had to defend themselves. So that was the last Starfighter. Okay, next up in '80s movies is Tron. This time I'd level with you. I'm what you guys call a user. 
you're a user? I took a wrong turn somewhere. But if you are a user, then everything you've done has been according to a plan, right? <laughs> you wish. But you guys know what it's like. You just keep doing what it looks like you're supposed to be doing, no matter how crazy it seems. Well, that's the way it programs, yes. I hate to disappoint you, pal, but most of the time that's the way it is for users, too. Stranger and stranger. Tron was released in 1982. It, too, also used some CGI graphics, but although not as many as The Last Starfighter. Uh, Tron was the story of a, a user, or in, in, in the world that w what we would call it today would be um, a programmer. Uh, and in, in, then in this case, the world of the computer in Tron, which is what was really depicted in most of the movie, was the inside of a computer. And what had happened was um, one of the main, the probably the, the antagonist of the movie, who happened to be Ed Dillinger, uh, he created a program called the MCP, or the Master Control Program, uh, for the company Encom. And uh, Encom uh, was kind of you know like the Microsoft of the time in in the in the movie, and the programmer um, by the name of Alan Bradley, he wrote a program called Tron, and Tron's Tron's job was to to basically ch check on the the MCP, all right, and uh, Jeff Bridges' character was uh known as Kevin Flynn, and he was a, uh, a former programmer and game developer at Ancom, and he wrote the game called Space Paranoids. And so Alan and Kevin, they got together trying to figure out, well, you know, how, how can they figure out uh, what Dillinger was doing with, with the MCP? And one of the other characters, uh, I'm trying to remember where his name, Bar uh, played by Bernard Hughes, his, his character was Dr. Walter Gibbs, uh, he was running the science division and he developed a digitizing laser which basically could digitize something and then reproduce it kind of you know like a transporter all right so kevin tried to to go into encom's computer and hack the computer and figure out what was going on and the mcp saw him doing that the mcp took over dr gibbs uh, matter of uh, digitizing a laser and it sucked Flynn into the computer world so and and it was a world where uh, the characters all wrote, uh, wore uh, glow-in-the-dark hockey helmets and they called each other programs and they uh, had names as Ram and Yori and du Dumont uh, and what was kind of funny is everyone all the characters in the outside world had doppelgangers in the inside world. Kevin Flynn's doppelganger in uh, the in the uh, computer world was called Clue. Bruce Boxleitner or Alan Bradley was his character's name. His character inside the computer world was Tron. David Warner or Ed Dillinger, who was the senior executive vice president of Encom, his character inside the computer world was Sark. And uh. I'm not going to go into it much more. It was a really entertaining movie. They finally s spawned a sequel about 20 years later um, 
called Tron Legacy, and I believe there's yet another sequel 10 years after that uh, in the works. So Tron was another a arcade game classic. Uh, the next one is War Games. We're in. <laughs> it thinks I'm Falcon. Hello. How can it ask you that? It'll ask you whatever it's programmed to ask you. You want to hear it talk? Yeah. I'll ask it how it feels. I'm fine. How are you? Excellent. It's evil on time. Can you explain the removal of your user account on June 23rd, 1973? They must have told it he died. People sometimes make mistakes. Yes, they do. How can I talk? It's not a real voice. Uh, this box just interprets signals from the computer and turns them into sound. Shall we play a game? Oh. <laughs> Shall we play a game? Well, War Games is the inspiration for this show. Uh, living in the shade in an 80s arcade. Uh, there was a song, uh, I think, by the Beepers, I think. I'm trying to remember the name of the song. But um, the song was played during this movie. During there were, In War Games, there was an arcade uh, scene where David Lightman was playing Galaga. So, uh, and in this movie, uh, now one thing that uh, a lot of kids these days doesn't don't really get, um, they uh, don't get the threat of nuclear war like um, kids my age did, and that's kind of what War Games uh, covered. War Games was uh, the military. Uh, now, granted, this is fictional; didn't really happen. Uh, they don't really have one, but the military in the movie created a computer called the War Operations Plan and Response System, and its job was to simulate global thermonuclear war. And uh, David managed to hack into the Whopper uh, from his home uh, using his, uh, it was a, um, I'm trying to remember the name, the computer system, I think it's an Altair, but he had a, a um, 80s era uh, computer system, and he was able to hack into there and he started playing this game with the Whopper, uh, thinking that it was actually a simulation, uh, but it was that, and it was, it was a war simulation. But um, somehow, doing this, he triggered Whopper, otherwise known as Joshua, in the in the war games. That's kind of what Professor Falcon called uh, his invention of the program that ran on top of the Whopper, and they almost triggered an actual real nuclear war. Excellent movie. Make sure you go and check that one out. The next one is one that came out in the, in the tail end of the 80s, and it covers the Nintendo called The Wizard. I love the Power Glove. It's so bad. Yes, the power glove, the power glove. It was actual real peripheral for the Nintendo Entertainment System. Uh, it wasn't a very good one from what I've heard. Um, I never had one, never played with one. Uh, uh, the Wizard came out in 1989, stars Fred Savage from The Wonder Years, 
uh, and his younger brother, um, he they called him Jimmy in the movie. He was a trouble boy. He, he admitted to was admitted to a mental institution, and his brother, played by Fred Savage, helped Jimmy escape, and they're traveling to a Super Mario Brothers tournament. It, it very much mirrors the um, the uh, Nintendo Championships that actually you know we'll talk about a little bit later in another show. Uh, but um, <laughs> it, it wasn't as good. I, I like the first three better, uh, but um, this one definitely is worth uh, worth checking out. So, and that was the eighties video game inspired movies. All right. So, um, what other movies have there been of recent memory? Um, I'm actually going to cover just two movies uh, that came out within recent memory um, and I'm also going to touch upon uh, a documentary that y'all should watch um, uh, a couple of documentaries actually so um, I'm probably not going to have any um, clips of those uh, just because they're newer and I, I, I'm risking putting the clips of the other movies in so um, but um, the movies that I'm gonna. There's gonna be two movies I'm talk going to talk about, um, and a couple documentaries. Uh, the first movie I'm gonna talk about is Ready Player One. Ready Player One uh, basically covers a future Columbus, Ohio. Uh, it actually was based on the book by Ernest Cline, also called Ready Player One. Uh, it is the quintessential, to me, modern-day, 80s-oriented movie. Uh, Ready Player One is the story about James Halliday, who, in 2045, uh, created this virtual world uh, called the Oasis. Uh, the Oasis stands for ontologically anthropomorphic, post-centric sensory immersive simulation it's basically a vr world and in the future everyone lived inside the in the vr world probably more than they did in the real world and because the real world was extremely depressing at the time so because james halliday was an 80s guy like myself uh the movie is just full of 80s nostalgia. Uh, the book is as well. Um, some people uh, will say the book is better than the movie. Um, I think I'm probably one of those that would say the book is better than the movie, but the movie I enjoyed as well. So, um, uh, But the whole, mo both the movie and the book, they covered hunting for an Easter egg. An Easter egg in video game parlance is basically a hidden feature. The very first video game that ever had an Easter game was called Adventure on the Atari. It was a game where you you were traveling through castles and whatnot, and it was don't and it was basically the first video game that had an Easter egg in it. And this was also featured. Actually, I believe this was also featured in both the book and the movie. Uh, but they had to find five keys. And whoever found the keys first would win control of the Oasis. And, of course, the corporate interest 
Nolan Sorrento, CEO of IOI, or Innovative Online Industries, uh, they employed an army of what they call Sixers. And the reason they called them the Sixers was in the virtual world, they all looked the same, and they all had a different number on the front of, of their avatar's chest, and there was six numbers on it. So um, the movie itself opens up with uh, Van Halen's Jump, I mean, it's a great movie. Uh, I love the movie. Um, I love the e the Easter eggs in it. Uh, video games are all over it from, and video games from the '80s all the way into uh, current day. So that was Ready Player One. And another movie that came out within recent years and probably not as good as Ready Player One is one called Pixels. Uh, Pixels was directed by Chris Columbus, who directed actually a lot of uh, different 80s movies, but it was essentially the story of, of um, I believe, four or five guys. Uh, one, one of the main characters uh, was uh, Adam, played by Adam Sandler. Uh, Kevin James was in this movie. Peter Dinklage, uh, Josh Gad, and uh, a bunch of different people from... Uh, recent movies and essentially what happened was was aliens saw uh, footage of our video games and when they invaded the earth they started invading the earth as these video game characters like pac-man and so on and so forth so you know i enjoyed the movie uh it definitely i don't think it was as good as ready player one uh but it's definitely an interesting movie now on to some of the documentaries and the one of them I'm going to cover is a relatively old one. I actually haven't seen yet myself. Uh, called the King, I believe it's called The King of Kong. All right. The King of Kong, uh, A Fistful of Quarters, is a 2007 American documentary film about competitive arcade gaming directed by Seth Gordon. And it follows Steve Weib, I think that's how you say his name, and his attempts to take the high score record for the 1981 arcade game Donkey Kong from Billy Mitchell. So uh, um, it's a great, great movie uh, from what I've heard. I haven't seen it. I'm going to have to go hunt that one down myself. Uh, but uh, it's definitely worth a watch. Uh, and I, it's on my short list of movies about um, documentaries slash movies that are about video games. All right. Next is more recent. Uh, and that's one on Netflix. It's a Netflix-only series called High Score. High Score covers uh, is six episodes. And it, if you are familiar at all with, um, there's another show. I'm trying to remember the name of the show. Um, the Toys That Made Us. If you're familiar with that, that's kind of the same uh, the same formula they use for High Score. So. In high score, they cover different uh, video game oriented subjects. Like the first one is talk talks about the boom and bust, uh, the you know, the beginning of the video game uh, revolution. Space Invaders and Pac Man were it, and right about the time that Atari uh, released the ET game, there was a big video game crash. All right, and that's what um, Episode One talks about, and it has the interviews from from the creator of Pat. Space Invaders, and, and I believe it also had interviews from the 
uh, Pac-Man. They also have a segment in episode one that talks about the Fairchild Channel F, which, believe it or not, um, was the originator of the cartridge idea. They had the cartridges before Atari did. And it was, uh, I'm trying to remember the name of the character. The guy who did it. And um, you're, you're witnessing research in action. So uh, the name of the man who who invented the cartridges and uh, the game system behind Fairchild's Channel F was Jerry Lawson, who was an African-American man in who developed this thing in the late 70s, early 80s. Okay. Uh, but that's all episode one. Episode two, which I've also watched, is called The Comeback Kid, and it talks about Nintendo, who was originally a Japanese playing car company, branched off into toys, and then they developed video games with the first one to hit America being Donkey Kong. So episode three, which I'm most of the way through, is called Role Players. It talks about um, adventure games and role-playing games. Like uh, a lot of the, the first computer games that came out in the 80s and uh, early 90s uh, were inspired by Dungeons & Dragons. And games like King's Quest, developed by um, Roberta Williams, who uh, is uh, the wife of the creator of Sierra Online, Ken Williams. And she she has a segment in here that talks about developing King's Quest and some of the other video games uh, that preceded King's Quest. So uh, in uh, episode four, it talks about the Sega Genesis and uh, a few other subjects, and I'm believing this is probably talking about how Sega tried to defeat Nintendo. Uh, and then uh, number five is all about the fighting games, Street Fighter, Mortal Kombat. Now, some of these games uh, weren't 80s games, uh, but um, it's just an interesting subject anyway. So then episode six, uh, it talks about Nintendo going 3D with Star Fox and Wolfenstein 3D and the general gen, basically where 3D games became more of what our modern day video games are. High Score was which is an awesome documentary, especially for, for the 80s folks who want to check out episode one and two. So uh, take a look at that; uh, you'll enjoy it. So uh, it also happens to be today uh, Netflix has started listing a top ten. It is number six in the top six Netflix things in the U.S. today. So, all right. So keep recording and sending me recordings on your first console systems. I want to hear about them. I want to talk about them. Uh, keep join Join the Facebook group if you haven't joined the Facebook group yet. Uh, and I just want to thank you, everyone, for listening to the show uh, I'm having a wonderful time producing this show, and eventually maybe I'll have a guest on the show. I don't know when, but uh, we'll go into other subjects. Um, and if you have ideas for topics you'd like to have covered, more in depth, maybe I can take one of these uh, '80s um, video game-oriented movies and recover that a little bit more in depth. In fact, I might do that about, um, especially a. Uh, uh, the last 
Starfighter is just a classic uh, movie. Uh, and uh, one thing I forgot to mention when I was talking about that earlier in the episode was uh, The Last Starfighter wasn't actually a real video game, but you can actually download it and play it today. Um, in a, it's pretty interesting. that Atari did start developing a Last Starfighter video game, and the control they were initially going to use for this looked nothing like the controls in the actual uh, game in the movie, but it was actually the uh, the same control that they ended up putting on Star Wars, the arcade game. So a little bit of trivia behind that. So, All right, guys. Thanks for listening to episode four. Please share, like, subscribe, whatever you need to do. Help me get this, ep- this uh, podcast out and let people live in the shade of that 80s arcade. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye.